0: find a something where you feel strong and confident and fierce and all the ways that you want to feel when you're going into a business transaction or when you're going into somewhere for the first time in your personal life so that you get to show up and you get to decide what voice is talking in
1: your head. Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24 seven just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well-lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am your host, Emmy Krishner. And today we have the one and only Heather Jean, who is the co-pioneer of confidence through Cabaret. And for the last 25 years, she has owned a global consultancy specializing in leadership and career training, which she started after she discovered Cabaret and learned how to powerfully take up space and her own voice and narrative in her personal life. So Heather, welcome. We were just chatting before we, I, well, before I hit the record button, but we were having a blast. Um, i can hardly wait to continue this conversation and loop the entire audience and everybody who's listening. And so welcome and share a little bit about who you are. Oh, thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm so excited to be here. And we were having a conversation a lot about, like, who are we? Um, yeah. Because a lot of times we think, like, our name kind of defines us in a way or expresses something that it, it, that we're supposed to relate to. A lot of times we think that it's our labels and, you know, our title or, you know, whether you're a mom or a CEO or a whatever it is, in, in my case, a dancer, you know. So I love that conversation. And I am all of those things. And I go by several different personas because I have a stage persona and I have I have my business persona, which is my business to business. I'm a, a training consultant. So that means that I go into large corporations and I help them develop their programs. And then I typically would roll out their programs for them globally. So that Was pre pandemic. I did that for over 25 years. Before that, I was a head of training. So I loved my work in training and coaching. And I thought that I would do that forever. But then COVID. But then COVID. Everybody's got a but then COVID moment. And then I decided that I wanted to, you know, while we're in lockdown, I'm, I'm Canadian, but I live in the UK. So we were into lockdown for a very long time, like a year and a half. And so I decided decided that I wanted to go online and I wanted to share my interpersonal skills, my leadership skills, my, the whole kind of beliefs and attitudes and values. And I absolutely fell in love with it. And I'm still not back in my corporate world because COVID. And so, you know, we're not able to have large conferences and we're not able to, you know, kind of bring people together from all parts of the world for them. So, so I'm doing much more of my online world, which I, I, I just adore. You know, I just think there's so much that, you know, goes beyond our work life. And when I was doing training consulting, I was in a very masculine energy. You know, I was very much about doing. So, what are your results? What are, what's your strategy? How are you delivering on it? You know, it was very do and very very busy. And what I did manage to do in that decades of it is shove all my personal things down really tight and packed and I was always I'm fine and then always (laughs) fine and I have what I would describe as as I had what I would describe as smiling depression you know I was always great everything's fine and I I I didn't believe I was faking it. Um, It wasn't my intention, but I was completely hiding from the, the really deep and very simple question of how do I feel? I just avoided all of that. So with COVID, because I'm an extrovert, being locked in with not other people is awful because I draw my energy from other people. And then I needed to really kind of get into my introverted side and I needed to do some reflection because I had nothing else to do. And it all kind of came pouring out. And I was introduced to very strong feminine energy, which is about feeling and creativity and playfulness and, and just so, you know, intuition, all of those kind of things started to come out. And I I had to do a lot of the healing. I had to do a lot of, you know, digging into into the stuff that I've been hiding from myself. And I had to deal with a lot of the past stuff. So it's been a long road for me. And my kind of COVID lockdown started in 2019 instead of 2020. Not because of COVID, but I had a tricky 2019 to navigate, which I'll, I'll share with you in just a second. And then I was just getting my life back in January 2020 and about six weeks later then. That happened so yeah um, so so for me it's been since really since the beginning of of 2019 where I've really had to start digging into my feelings and, and my feminine energy and and spend more time on on my own I had a my second husband had early onset of Alzheimer's in his late mm-hmm. 40s and it very rapidly declined and he very unexpectedly um, passed away in 2019 so I was then a mom just about to have my last my my youngest son leave the nest and go off to university, uh, so that's a life changing thing when you're when you're becoming an empty nester. And I'm still at that point. I was running my business for almost 25 years at that point, and. And then I had, became a carer, the nature of being a mom changed, the the nature of my work had to change in order to accommodate being a carer as well. And, you know, so a lot of things happened. And what turned out was that my late husband had done a lot of things badly in terms of managing the finances. And so I had to leave my home shortly after he uh, passed away. And then I was still at that point, while I was going through all of this, I, I also was diagnosed with breast cancer. So I still hadn't had my old clear, which I have now had. And then... Thank you. Thank you. I know it's a really big... like, Because that's a really big label to put on yourself. And then while I was moving house, which I wasn't happy about, <laughs> then I got in a car accident and I had neck and spine injuries. So I that took off even more time. And so... Every time I started to kind of regroup and put it back together, and all this time I'm still working and I'm still running my business um, for corporations. And you know, I think when you have an online business, especially one where you get to be vulnerable and you get to share your story and other people relate to it, that's not really how it worked for me in the corporate world. I had to show up as if everything's great, as if I've got it all together because I'm there to advise them around getting business results. So they don't want to hear the person story stuff. No, they don't. So I think, you know, going through the starting an online business during COVID was really just so cleansing with, you know, being able to be vulnerable and being able to share my story and, and just kind of put it all out there and shed those labels, right? That I am not Just a mom, or a carer, or a wife, or a business person, or I'm not any. I'm not just anything. I'm also all these things, Mm -hmm. and so I'm loving this. And cabaret is my hobby, most especially aerial and burlesque. And so my work is about really. Owning our space, taking up right. space and raising our voice and really just putting our message out there. And so I decided, well, why wouldn't I help other people to be able to do that as well? Because it's a metaphor for actually how we go through life. And as women, not only, but especially women, we very often shrink ourselves and make yeah. ourselves small.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And really, so we can fit into people or in with people or companies or situation that like they're playing small so that we don't look too big or too outlandish or too insert any other adjective. And I've done it and it's like being strangled or trapped or, and it's not a great feeling. So. No,
0: we can get very good at playing the part that we're supposed to play. So, you know, everybody would say, oh, you have to come. It's going to be really fun if you're there. And so I'd always have to show up as fun, Heather. You
1: know, I'd always have to have energy. I'd always have to be positive even when I didn't feel it. Yeah, I'm very similar. I'm, I'm the fun one. So I'm the one that's going to entertain everybody, the reliable one, and the this one, and then that one, and there's you know, the different personalities. And it's like, I don't want to sometimes, sometimes I just want to lay on the sofa and do nothing. Yeah. And that's okay. Yeah. And sometimes I want to show up and be the quiet one. Yeah. Just watch. Observe. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But that was never accepted. And now I own that. So I think there was a fear of everybody's got to like me. Yeah. You know, my dad is like it. My, one of my sons is like it. It's kind of, we do things for other people, even if we're never going to see them again, like a, a waiter in a restaurant. I mean, it's just like, oh, what will they think of me? And I can still hear that. That actually, that's my mother's voice. I can hear that in my beliefs as I say that, you know, and so it's, you know, what will people think? And so I, it always had to appear like, it was effortless. And I I always think of like an Olympic athlete where I watch the Olympics and then I go, I could totally do that (laughs) because they make it look so easy and effortless, right? right? And then you go like, especially the winter Olympics, I think
1: I could totally do the skeleton or the bobsled. Like that's just sliding on ice. That sounds cool. You know, for me, it's the gymnastics and the ice skating. It's like, oh, I can totally twirl around and fly through the air just like that. (laughs) yeah yeah
0: well I started I started aerial dancing though in my 50s so that's a well this is
1: what I want to know is when did you discover cabaret like when was it after like all of these things kind of happened or no
0: no it was kind of during while it was going on it was just not quite six years ago so I woke up one day and this never happens but I woke up one day and went I need to do cabaret. I don't even know what that means. I'm not kidding. There was just this whisper. And I, went, and I was like, okay, this, is, this stuff does not happen to me. I'm not, I don't do that. I, I'm a really a masculine energy, right? So this is, where's this intuition stuff coming from? And so my friends were laughing at me. They were like, you don't, you're not going to do that. And anyway, I, I went and found out what it was. And I went and found a studio that was doing taster sessions one day. It was like the following weekend. And I went and I hated it. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. I wanted to cry. And all we were doing was a body tracing. So my hand, my arm and tracing our body. And I was like, I can't do that that's like, this is, it's overwhelming. It's taking, it's, it's taking up too much space. It's drawing attention to me in a ways I don't want to. And I had, you know, all this programming about, you know, what being sexy and and what sexuality was meant to be, how it was meant to be expressed or not. And, and this was just way too much. And it struck me as this is irrational that it's my hand and my arm and I'm not comfortable doing this. And so I signed up right there and then. Wow. Yeah. And instead the, of running away, because I
1: think most people would have been like, I am out the door. See you later.
0: Yeah. But the thing is, so if you know, because I, I went on then to do aerial silks and hoop and, and pole and so and those kind of things, yeah, when you're at a height, it's scary, right? Yeah. And and you can get hurt. So I can understand having that fear. But when it's a fear that is in no way rational or harmful then that voice inside of me is not protecting me from anything that I'm in danger in. And I just refuse to give in to that kind of fear because it's not going to harm me. It's the same when you get onto a sales call, you know, because if you want (laughs) to, if you want to learn about like not people pleasing and not having everybody like you have an online business, because you're going to learn really fast that everybody's not
1: going to like you and everybody's not your audience. And uh, yeah, there's, there's a group of people who are out there just to be haters. Yeah. Whether they're aware of it or not. Like it's cause I've received those, those comments and most of them are so preposterous. It, it doesn't bother me, but every once in a while I'm like, you know, with, it's never my intention to upset or offend anybody. So.
0: Yeah. But we can't be all things to all people all the time. It's not, no. it's not realistic. No. I was certainly trying, but I think when, you know, when I, when I started kind of tackling this whole thing of, It's just fear. And that is the same feeling in my body as excitement. It's like when you're at the roller coaster and you're right at the top and you're about to go down, you're terrified and excited at the same time. It's that. And you get to choose which way you interpret that rush of adrenaline in your body. And so when I think of it as this is exciting, then I feel very different. And so I chose when I signed up for, you know, classes, I chose to sort of see this as exciting. I still hated it for a good few weeks. People kept saying, I can't believe you came back. Like you're you're really struggling. Why do you keep coming back? And I I said, because I, I need to be able to take back control of this and feel joy and excitement by taking up space. I refuse yeah. to shrink and get smaller. And I think that's where that voice was coming from is that you're shrinking and you are you have so much more to say and so much more to do and you're, you're limiting yourself. And bear in mind, I'm the person running these conferences all over the place and I don't use a microphone. I'm just like you know, a boom across any size conference room. And I, so I, nobody would know that I felt like I was shrinking, but there was parts of me that were just like getting smaller and smaller and just not wanting to be seen. And so I tackled it and I leaned into it. And that has helped a lot with the online world because then I could go, well, okay, uh, you're not my audience. That's okay. They don't yeah. need to be, you know. I'm okay with you not being okay with me, and that's one of the first things that you learn in burlesque is you have to be okay with other people not being okay with you because otherwise you can't go on stage, right? Right? Because you, you right. know, you're you're there. It's very exposing. You're the only person on the stage, and there's there's you and your body and your you know and your act and your you know whatever it is you're you're putting out there, and that's that's all there is. And if people are not okay with that, then that has to be okay,
1: right? Well, and you're there to provide an experience. And sometimes you're going to trigger people too. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, because for not sure. Even they don't care for that art form. It's that they're having such an intense reaction because it's making them uncomfortable. Just like when you started with cabaret.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, I mean, fortunately, when you when you go to a cabaret show and, and you know, I define cabaret, there's, there's kind of various ways of defining, but I define cabaret as, as something that's in a small venue. So that could, you could be singing, you could be dancing, you could be comedy, you could be doing contortion or aerial, all kinds of different things, but it's a small venue. So every comedian would have started in a little cabaret joint. You'll hear people like Bette Midler talk about, you know, back in the day, getting before they were, you know, really had a career. They were singing in these little clubs and things. So it's not a huge audience anyway, typically. I mean, there are some cabaret, but by definition, not anymore, where they rent a whole theater and they have a huge audience. But most of the time, cabaret is in a a small place. And then those people have bought tickets. So they have a rough idea of what they're in for and they want that. And nine times out of 10, probably more than nine, people want you to do well. Mm -hmm. Like I have seen some disastrous, costume, you know, reveals go wrong. Yeah. And people really are willing for you to get back together and, you know, keep it going and do well and enjoy it. Because they're not there to have a bad time.
1: Most no, of the time they don't stuff
0: sit happens, and go,
1: hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, I know as a speaker, I had, I was all mic'd up for one conference and like a third of the way through the presentation and the mic stops working. So I'm there on stage and they the way I was wired, they had wired it through my dress. So they're unzipping my dress. (laughs) I'm just like, this is it people. Oh, You're you're being a burlesque performer and you didn't even plan it. (laughs) Exactly. You know, and I just try to make a joke out of it because there's nothing I can do. And there wasn't really like a backstage area for me to go to, to to be like, excuse me. (laughs) and everybody was just like, you got this. Like they were very encouraging, which was great. You know, and I took a couple of deep breaths and kept going, but like stuff just happens. Yeah, it does. It does. And it makes us human. And
0: sometimes yeah. that's a relief to the audience, right? Because they kind of go, oh good, I don't have to be perfect. It's almost permission to not be perfect. Yeah, you like
1: know? I am super type A. I'm organized, color-coded, like the whole deal, like ad nauseum. And for those people who are not, you probably could I'm crazy and that's fine. It makes me happy. But I've really gotten over the, the need to be perfect, like to have everything be at this place of unreachable excellence, like yeah. Like you got to just send it out there, put it out in the world because you're going to get so much more from that. Yeah, you absolutely are. And I think, you know, there's, we constantly talk about
0: perfectly imperfect and it's like, okay, this is how this is going. And this is what's happening. And we're just going to carry on anyway. I did a, I did a webinar. I do a lot of stuff on imposter syndrome and I did a yeah. webinar and uh, my slides were changed. I use StreamYard. So my slides changed from how I'd created them and it was all jumbled and on top of each other. And I didn't – because I have a mantra which is don't apologize, don't explain. Like unless you owe an apology, right, or an explanation – you don't owe an apology or an explanation. You know, like, don't apologize, don't explain. We do that too often, especially not only as women, but we will sort of, I, I was coaching somebody yesterday and she had to go and answer the door and she was wearing her house coat and because it was cold in the house and right. she apologized to the driver delivering the package. It was like, why are you apologizing? Oh, I'm so sorry, I'm wearing this, I'm just really cold. Okay, what makes you think he needs an explanation or an apology? Like you know,
1: but we do that so often. Oh, all the time! It's one of my pet peeves. If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I have a little a little post I put up once or twice a year. That's basically like stop fucking apologizing.
0: Yeah, yeah. We do that way way too much. My dog is look. We have another. We have another. For those of you listening, we're recording this on what's called Guy Fawkes or Bonfire Night, so there's a lot of fireworks, so there must have been some that just went off. My dog has just gone, ah, this is freaking me out. Yeah, so, but I think the perfectly imperfect is just such an important thing to get in our heads, is like, we're doing the thing anyway, and with this imposter thing, people thought I did it on purpose to make it okay for them to feel imposter syndrome, because they were like, oh, we thought you messed up your slides to let us know that it's okay. Like you, <laughs> you don't have to do everything perfect. And I thought, well, this is funny because this is, I mean, look at this. Look, what, I mean, there's a dog walking behind me in my chair right now. Do you know? It's and so it's, and it's, it's fine. It's <laughs> all good. And we and we carry on. And, you know, I mean, most of us are working from home now. So there are children as well as technology. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But the dog has taken yeah. up all the camera. Come on. Audio, so we're good oh that's all right that's all right I I but you'll probably hear weird noises and if you do then that's what's going on this is hilarious now this is like one of those candid camera shows where weird things happen and they say don't work with animals and children yeah
1: well you know what I'm glad that it's somebody else's dog for once because usually it's mine standing on my head yeah <laughs> Mm. it's happening okay so if you can imagine this because you're on audio if you can imagine this i i'm in an
0: armchair with like two arms and the dog is standing across both of them in front of the in front of the camera so this is hilarious so so but yeah we're good but you know what it's all perfectly imperfect because most of us are working from home and we're getting really used to that we're getting really used to being able to just do the thing the best that we can and that's really all that we have to do that's all that's that's what we need to do to show up
1: yeah I want to talk about imposter syndrome more because I think every entrepreneur has experienced it and yeah. felt it more than once. Yeah. All right. So I think every entrepreneur has experienced it at least once, probably lived in it for several weeks at some point, yeah. especially starting out. And I mean, it's essentially it's just fear, right? Like it's... So
0: very often what causes it is that we don't internalize the positives. We don't internalize what we do well. So we have the negativity bias anyway because that's what kept us from what kept us surviving effectively and so we hear and we see and we experience the negative much more strongly or readily and when we fail to internalize the positives and the things that we do well then that's when we will experience or that's when we'll start to develop imposter syndrome so it can show up in lots of different ways it can show up and and not everybody who experiences these things has imposter syndrome but you know perfectionism can be a form of imposter syndrome you know And it it might cause us to procrastinate, for example. For me, it showed up by not wanting to ask for or accept help. So I was very much the soloist. So even if people offered help, I wouldn't accept it. And I could be like really wanting or needing help. And I would still go, no, I'm fine. Because I felt like it appeared weak. Mm Mm-hmm. And so, and now I'm all for asking the questions and going, I don't really get this. I mean, simple things even like, I had to ask somebody the other day, what should I be posting on my Facebook page versus my Facebook community versus my Facebook stories versus my personal page? And my, you know, there's so many, should I, I know I shouldn't be putting them uh, like the same posts everywhere. How should I be, you know, now there was a time I wouldn't have done that. I would have spent hours researching and trying Uh to find out or tons of money trying to find this out. And very often we could just be asking the question and somebody will help us, but I wouldn't accept that. My imposter syndrome also shows up in things like when somebody gives you a compliment. I would go, no, and I would always negate it. And I didn't internalize, you know, if somebody says, oh, that looks really nice on you. That color is great on you or whatever. I would say mm-hmm. no. And I would I would ignore that and then internalize it. So it's a bit like if you got nine compliments and then one person said that color is terrible on you, which one would you remember? Right, it's the one. Yeah. Exactly, because we're not internalizing the good things. And so, so I talk a lot about, you know, celebrating success and really just pausing in that moment and go, yeah, but what worked? Yeah, but what did you do well?
1: Right. I love hearing you say this, too, because it sounds almost similar to people who have difficulty receiving. So it's like if simply gave you a compliment and they say they negate it. Instead of just being open to receiving the positivity too, it's like you, you can't, you've got to have this armor up almost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's also, it's things like, I always felt like I had to be doing for other people. Right. But then I wouldn't accept help in return or not not even necessarily in return, but I wouldn't, I, at the same time, I wouldn't accept help. And then what that does is it denies other people the opportunity to help you. And they also want an opportunity to give. They also want an opportunity to enjoy that feeling. So it's a very important one to being able to allow others to give as well.
1: It just means you receive. Yeah, I agree. And I've seen that with my clients where in different forms where they had difficulty accepting help from husbands wives friends partners colleagues doesn't matter who and once they were able to flip it in their head that allowing the the help and the support really was not a sign of weakness that was actually more about strength. yeah it's not a sign of weakness I mean like if if somebody else asks you for help and you help them
0: right do you think oh that person's weak probably not no So then, why would we assume that other people are going to do that for us as well? like I get that it's not rational, but it those are those are kind of symptoms of not only but imposter syndrome is is a big one for that right. and so there are ways of being able to combat that for example, I use a lot around internal dialogue, so your imposter voice is telling you you 're not good enough or you know you're not qualified enough or you're not going to succeed for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. And what I do is then think about the voice that I use that is strong and fierce. And that for me is my stage persona voice. Right, so right. it's not fake. It's not me pretending. It's just, it's a different part of me. And when I tap into that voice, when I tap into the voice that says, yeah, I can do this. I've totally got this. I'm under control with this. Our imposter voice goes, no, you're not. No, you're not. Right. Why do we listen to that voice and not to the other one that's really strong and fierce? Yeah.
1: I don't. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's crazy. We all do it.
0: Yeah. And I think it's a lot about, well, part of it is as our kind of our upbringing. Part of it is, you know, necessary for survival and, you know, and, and our evolution. But we can retrain that to overcome it.
1: I'm really glad to hear you say that because I know you have an amazing training that takes people through how to overcome their imposter syndrome. Can you talk a little bit about that and then some of the ways that you can start overcoming it too?
0: Yeah. So first of all, there's a really strong chance that you'll always have that imposter voice. So I tend to talk about imposter voice. I know it's imposter syndrome, but we, you know, it's one of those kind of things where it never really fully goes away. So I wouldn't like to say that, yeah, like we can, we can diminish it. We can get it under control, but we never fully lose that voice because that voice is there for protection for us right? So what we can do is learn to talk to that voice. So acknowledge it or recognize it and acknowledge it and then move on from there. So one of the great techniques, um, one of my favorite ones is to name that imposter voice. So that voice that's telling you you can't or who are you to be doing this and what are you doing? You don't belong here. You're going to get caught. People are going to find out that you don't really know what you're talking about or whatever it is that your your imposter voice is saying to you. Give that a name and then talk to that. So so you can, it doesn't matter what you name it. And you can then talk to that voice and say, thank you very much. Mine is Donald. So, cause I made mine a comedy character. So mine is like a really like a quacking. I, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I know. I'm just like, me, me, me. yeah, because that's how it feels. It's like, oh, it's relentless. So I'll go, okay, thank you for bringing that up. Like, Thank you for bringing that to my attention. I've got this. I don't need you right now. And then I could do it because we only can do one voice in our head at a time. Right. I also, my stage, part of my stage name is Helen. I also talk to Helen and go, all right, come on, Helen, you got this. Like, you totally can do this because I wear nine inch heels on stage and I own it. All right. So, how do you do that? (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, they have platforms. They have a very high platform at the front and then a full nine inch heel at the back. So, you're not like up on like ballerina tiptoe or anything. Thing. But yeah, but so it, may, it it is actually a lot easier to walk in. But what's really interesting is whenever and I, I always share my shoes at the studio because I love that moment when people put on the shoes and go, oh, I feel so powerful and fierce. And it's that voice, it's that moment. And we we all have a way of doing that. You don't have to wear 9-inch heels. You could wear a pink lipstick, bright pink lipstick makes me feel strong and fierce. Sometimes it's clothes that make mm-hmm. us feel strong and fierce. Sometimes it's, I, I mean, so I'm not advocating that you should have to wear makeup, but play with makeup. So we do quite a lot. I have a website and we we do workshops in there. And we we did like three different makeup workshops to kind of go, what would happen if, And this isn't video, so you won't see this, but I was playing with black liquid eyeliner today and I was like, oh, what would happen if, you know, and I feel different when I do that, right? And so I would say, like, play with it. And just, you know, like, put... So be really careful. It's a little caveat there. Be really careful. Put don't put makeup that's not intended for your eyes on your eyes because it can irritate. But anything that's intended for your eyes, you can draw that on anywhere. You can make that a lipstick or a cheek... You know, you can have... You can have... I, I have, like, purple cheeks and green lips. And I feel different. Now, I don't love right. it all. But again, I try and do the... It doesn't have to be perfectly imperfect. It's just kind of like a, what would happen if I drew that here? And it's fun... But it also kind of gives us that, oh, I feel very strong or I feel very sexy or I feel very, you know, whatever it is, fierce or whatever it is. Brave, and then, yeah. Absolutely. And every time somebody puts on my heels or puts on a pair of heels, they go, wow, I feel this strength that I don't know where this is coming from. And I'll go, capture that voice give that voice a name, right? And then you can tap into that. So if I feel kind of weak and a bit floppy and I'm like, oh, I can't really do this, then I'll kind of go, no, come on, Helen, you got this. Cause I'm going to do it anyway. So I might as well do it fierce rather than doing it. And can you hear me? I'm not doing this on purpose, but can you hear, I get like louder when I talk about Helen I'm like, oh, right. I got this. You know, that's just involuntary because that is that voice. And so it's not fake. These are all parts of you that you get to express. And we're often taught not to express those things, not only, but especially women, we're taught to keep it down a little bit. I'm hearing my mother's voice in my head again now. I'm like, oh yeah, keep it down. Be quiet, yeah. you know. Or
1: else, all, or seen and not heard. Yes,
0: absolutely. <laughs> what will the, the people can hear you? You know, it's like so. What I feel like being fierce, you know, yeah. and so it's that, and it's kind of going. Okay, Donald, thank you. I got this. Appreciate the warning or appreciate the the heads up on that. But I'm I'm okay here because I'm fierce. I'm doing that, and then I'm listening to that voice, and that I, is a really cool way of doing that.
1: Yeah, I love how you're including well, incorporating both the talking to the, the voice and acknowledging the voice where a lot of ways of kind of dealing on I'm air-quoting imposter, I'm going to call it imposter voice, I like that better, mm-hmm. is to really not acknowledge it, you know, or pretend that it's not there and just have the positive stuff going on. But I also like the way you're incorporating the creativity and the play and the expression and the expressiveness of just doing something differently and not having it be perfect, like put green lipstick on, and, and if it looks good, great. And if it doesn't, wipe it off. Like, yeah. How many times are you saving stuff in your
0: wardrobe for a time? <laughs> it's like, just wear it. Just do the thing. And I would say, you know, if makeup or clothes or what, you know, whatever, heels are not your thing, that's cool. But find something where you feel strong and confident and fierce and all the ways that you want to feel when you're going into a business transaction or when you're going into somewhere for the first time in your personal life so that you get to show up and you get to decide what voice is talking in your head.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. For somebody who's like, oh, I want to dive into this. Like my imposter voice has been running amok as of late or shows up occasionally. Where can they find the webinar to start kind of getting started with acknowledging and playing?
0: Yeah, so you can so I have a free webinar that I recorded and I've I've been told I probably shouldn't do it, like I shouldn't do it that way because I give over twenty strategies for at ways to be your imposter and that makes me a terrible business person because I should do five and then say and it's fifteen more if you pay. But I <laughs> I'm just like I just want you to know all the stuff and then pick the ones that work for you. Right. And right. People, people dive back into it. If you go to beatyourimposter.com forward slash webinar, and if that's hard to remember my organization online is confidence your cabaret and if you go to confidence your if you google it confidence your cabaret comes up with like two pages worth of stuff because I have everything I have a podcast and a YouTube channel yeah. and a, I don't know I did the whole thing I'm a type as well so I but if you go to confidence cabaret.com there's a link on there and then and then you'll find that and you'll find everything else you'll yeah. also find the way into you know to the different master classes that other people have done I do workshops so I would say if if makeup or shoes or any of the things that we haven't we've talked about and you're like nah it's not really my thing then just stand in superman pose or stand with your arms bred out right like fully extend ideally in the mirror but it doesn't have to be and stand there and just let the hormones do their thing because it's I mean there's so mm-hmm. much research on this it is a great way to oh, gather yeah. that strength and that energy you know I, I would say so I do things like I have a chair dancing work shop on confidence I love chair dancing, put on some music and move that will get you going. State change. Absolutely. Exactly. Exactly. So if you're having trouble accessing that kind of fierce voice, certainly in 2019, when I had lots of, Crappy stuff going on for me, and I can see it's for me now. But at the time, it was to me, and I felt very victim, and I felt very deep in the valley. And I and all the stuff was coming out. And if somebody had said to me, "Put on some music and dance," I would have had nothing but swear words. <laughs> I would have just like, no. But what I will say, though, is just just even doing the Superman pose or or just even like use a chair because I okay here's a confession. I have no rhythm and I don't remember choreography and I'm a paid performer on stage. I'm a dancer on stage okay (laughs) so I freestyle and I but but I know I mean I know kind of roughly what my thing is what I'm going to do what my story is so but what I say though is just like even if you just got a chair or even if you sat on the sofa and put on some music it is a state changer I would say even jump up and down Yeah, yeah. And, you know, people talk about going for a walk or or whatever it is. I would say just make sure that it is something that is changing your state and not taking you deeper into that valley of... Oh, i'm gonna say wallowing and victim and and I don't say that lightly because i don't mean that as a as a weakness but it is hard when you're deep down in there to come back out of that and yeah. there were many days I didn't want to get out of bed many days and I still have those moments because you know confidence isn't a constant it's not like a, okay here's the formula now you've got that now now you're fine it's there are dips and it just it just means that when you got these tools you don't go into as many dips
1: and you don't go as deep and you don't stay down there for long. Right. Yeah. It's a little more balanced. I'm curious with that whole period with everything happening for you, with your husband, the house, breast cancer, like as you were moving out of it, was there something that you realized or learned that, kind of made sense like made like all those pieces then made sense um because I found that generally when people have those types like big experiences one after another there's some sort of thing they're supposed to learn
0: yeah and I think I think a lot of it is about so well the the big thing for me was about feeling the feelings. It okay. you was know, so, so I didn't want to feel the bad feeling. I just wanted to feel all the good stuff. So I just kind of stuffed the rest down and feeling the feelings is your way through, right? Feeling your feelings is how you get out the other side, letting it go and not judging those feelings. So again, it's part of that internal dialogue of, oh, I'm feeling this now. Oh, this is interesting. And not judging and going, this is bad. I don't want to feel like this. I'm going to, you know, do something to cheer myself up. I'm going to eat or buy or whatever it is that you do to cheer yourself up is just to kind of notice those feelings and let them go. So that the feelings kind of become more like a flow, like a river, you know and they just and then they go. And when we do that, it is so much lighter because we're releasing that energy. But I held on to it and the longer you hold on to it, the harder it gets because you got even more crap. And my yeah. well was deep. I mean, my first marriage was an abusive marriage. I managed to get out of that. I was in the Middle East at the time. I was pregnant at the time. I mean, there were just so many things where so many moments when I was pregnant with my youngest son, my late husband was taken to the hospital in Seattle and we live in the UK. we were just transiting on a flight. So he was held there for three months while I was going through pregnancy and we just moved out. And I didn't know where I lived because I had never been to the new house because I had been traveling so much. So yeah. I had to find that I didn't know where the school was or anything. So I've had all of these times and I refused to acknowledge them all, right? I just kept stuffing them down and oh, I'm eight months pregnant and I'm going through all of this and I'm just keep stuffing them down. And then with 2019 and especially COVID, it all came out. And my my regret and my advice, and my learning from that is let the feelings go, like let them happen
1: and let them go. Yeah. Get comfortable with the uncomfortable feelings. <laughs> yeah.
0: The same principle as being okay with other people, not being okay with you, be okay with your feelings yeah. and, and let them go. And, you know, I, I would say that being able to show up vulnerable is, is important. You know, we're, we're very often taught to like, don't, don't cry and don't feel that way. And, you know, especially at work, right. You know, we're not supposed to be too emotional and
1: you're allowed to be, you get to be human. Yeah. It's important. Well, I think the more any one of us is individually, the more acceptable it becomes for all of us. And to really start embracing our humanity. Yeah, yeah,
0: absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that's happening a little bit more right now. Yeah. I don't know how long it's gonna last, but because we're all working at home and because we're all we're all, you know, kind of doing our best, there's an acceptance of that. I know in I've just come back from Canada and I it's a very different culture uh post it's not post COVID, but you know what I mean, a big pandemic. It's very different culture here in the UK where we're very quickly going back to as if it never happened in the UK. Right. And it, it was such a shock to the system. To go back to Canada, where they're very much still like, you know, taking precautions and and acknowledging we need to draw together as a community and we need to help one another. And it's a very different thing here. And I think, you know, mental health is something that is so precious that we need to be able to acknowledge,
1: ask for help, and support one another because we're all going to need support at some point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Heather, I'm going to leave it at that because you have just given so much of your time and value. Um, I want to say thank you. We're going to get all the links that you mentioned into the show notes, especially the webinar, so people can go through that and really dive in. But what is the best place for people to connect with you if they wanted to reach out?
0: Yeah. So I have a Facebook community that I love and I spend... I like so much of my day in which is called confidence Your cabaret on facebook and it's there's a there's a page obviously a facebook page but there's a facebook community and that is where i enjoy living and i we are aim in the community we don't sell to one another we just aim to uplift and support one another in any way that we all can everybody's got something to contribute and everybody's got something that they need and we just we just share in there and i i, I just adore being in there so if that speaks to you then i don't teach how to do cabaret, but I use the analogy of the principles that I've learned in cabaret to find where your confidence needs to come from. It's amazing. Thank you so much. A pleasure. Love to see you.
1: And for everybody who is listening, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to, and I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders.